My name is Ma Schneidu and welcome to the Raising Kellen podcast. I blog at RaisingKellen.org where we curate resources for special needs parenting. Today on episode number 44, I am going to chat with Alex Lopicolo, affectionately known as the King of Swings. This episode is brought to you by First Citizens National Bank, who is our valued community supporter. Alex Lopicolo, a.k.a. Mr. Alex, is an experienced occupational therapy assistant, a certified personal trainer and a nutrition consultant. Alex is well known as the King of Swings. When he is not treating as a full-time sensory integration therapy practitioner, he travels around the world sharing his knowledge of sensory motor therapy with OTs and students at pediatric clinics and universities. He especially enjoys designing home sensory gyms to help his young clients at home. Good morning, Alex. Welcome to the Raising Kieran podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Alex, what in the world got you started on your OT journey? I'm really interested to find that out. So I I was first a um, certified personal trainer, and I wanted to get into the therapy realm, and uh, at first I was going to go for physical therapy and then I found out that OT, um, was more of the creative type of, um, uh, functional therapy. Um, even though I love PT, um, so I got it. I didn't even know about w- what sensory integration was. And when I found it was more play-based, um, I was like, that's right up my alley. When it comes to sensory integration, like a heads up for parents that are listening, what exactly would you say that sensory integration is, Alex? It's um, organizing the the central nervous system uh, for improved um, motor skills for, um, that's gross and fine motor. Also, um, sensory modulation, which is, uh, a lot of the kids that we see are either overreactive, sensitive, hyperactive, lethargic, and they're not in that middle ground uh, alert state where you're in your flow state, where you're more alert, calm, and collected. Um, also, children that have a hard time with executive functioning skills um, for academics. Um, and also just doing your activities of daily living that they have a hard time with. Um, maybe it's motor wise, maybe it's because of their alert level. Also children that have behavioral challenges, which we always want to point the finger of their being a bad kid. It's not necessarily they're making bad choices. It's that their nervous system is on overload and they're not getting the support or proper tools, um, or they don't have the awareness of how to get into that uh, just right alert state. 
Alex, during your career as a therapist, I'm sure that there was something about swings that led you to pursue it more as a treatment tool. Um, what was that ha-ha moment for you? So the first time I, I found out that about swings, swing use for therapy is uh, when I worked in Denver, Colorado at Unique Prince Therapy. And they had a custom swing structure in an old historic mansion. And um, it was made by Southpaw, which is one of the leaders in the sensory therapy equipment realm. And I, I thought it was so cool that there's actually a company out there making professional uh, therapy equipment for sensory integration. So I decided like, why can't we expand more on the different types of swings and uh, make it more powerful? So I uh, started to uh, write articles for Southpaw and I saw that there's other companies out there that are you know, trying to make different types of swings in. Um, I started modifying my own swings uh, about 11 years ago. And ever since then, I've uh, been on a journey to make the best sensory swings in the world. Do you have to have a certain square footage in order to put a sensory gym in? I mean, how does that work? So it doesn't necessarily mean the, the, the space. It's the way that you modify the space. So a closet um, can be turned into a, a small sensory space um, where I've put uh, a lycra hammock inside of it. Uh, I've also done, uh, you know, doorway pull-up bars are a way you can um, have a movement space in between a doorway. Uh, also, uh, playrooms, living rooms, bedrooms, um, hallways, you name it. Um, you could do some type of movement or relaxation space in there. So for that parent wanting to find out more on how to engage with you to get a sensory gym set up for the child, what, was, what does that look like or how does that uh, process begin? So usually I have the, the client take pictures of their room or multiple rooms of the house. Um, all different angles, um, measure the space, length, width, and height. Uh, also, um, draw a rough blueprint of what the space looks like with where the windows, the door, uh, the lighting is. Um, also, any other types of um, uh, things in the room that could uh, impact the, the movement space. So, I usually will go for the the living room if possible because that's usually the, the largest space in the house and kids usually hang out in the living room <laughs> yeah. while the parents are in the um the kitchen or the family room so i like to look at it as where will the child use the 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 swings uh or the sensory equipment most frequently because um in order to change the central nervous system you want to do it frequently throughout the day um, to get the most beneficial um, therapeutic benefits from it. So uh, I often see your post on LinkedIn and 
in my mind, I'm thinking, are these swings necessarily something that's going to be suspended from the ceiling? How does that work, Alex? So I would say majority of the time it's hanging from the ceiling where you can change out the swings um, very easily at different heights. Uh, also, I do things that are off the walls, okay. so it doesn't necessarily have to be from the ceiling. Um, I use bungee, rope, lycra um, off the walls, and, um, you know, it really depends on the space and, you know, what's um, what works with the family dynamic. Got you. So in order to um, kind of integrate the senses and to, to get better interpretation at that cortical level, you mentioned that the, that the, the exercises or the swinging rather needs to be done through regular intervals during the day. Um, I mean, obviously with kids returning back to school now, uh, most of them returning back to, to in-person classes, um, how how would that look for uh, a parent or a mom that wants to to do to integrate the swinging through the day? Is it something more or less done like at morning and then repeat it again in the afternoon? Or so I recommend uh, morning, afternoon, evening, um, anywhere five to twenty minutes of uh, movement activity. Um, even if you get in, you know, one to th- five minutes it's better than nothing right right um so it's the the frequency of uses what's important in the morning sometimes uh just um doing an obstacle course with your kids or doing maybe some even jump rope it doesn't even have to be suspended um i know some families can't do it because um say they live in an apartment um or they're renting a house um so um outdoor or indoor uh movement is really important Uh, and um we're the the thing with uh swings is that that you're working body and space and body and space is um with the vestibular input um and rhythm is really helps kind of sink your body into getting into that flow state. So rhythm equals regulation. So doing it frequently throughout the day, you'll maintain that flow state and you'll have less behavioral challenges and more focused and um, improved happiness. Okay. So for example, say if our kid is in the swing, right? And uh, is any other therapies incorporated into that or are they just allowed to swing and absorb that that state of rhythm and flow that you described sometimes the child has to get in some passive input okay um, in order to um, get their body in sync where some others want to be more active and um, kind of do it themselves and be independent so it really depends on that child and also their cognition level and their motor skills. So um, that's that's always a factor. So I like to try to go passive and then move to active independence. Okay. So it can be used to kind of 
uh, upregulate uh, and kind of involve a little bit of heavy body work uh, to as prep work to get the child started off before their, um, you know, uh, before their, their therapy or as a means to calm the sensory system down maybe towards the latter part of the day. Okay. Yes, exactly. So um, for children that are lethargic, you can do things that are more uh, fast moving pace or say um, more vertical where it'd be like bouncing. That would be more upregulating where um, passive rhythmic uh, movement would be more downregulating because the the parent or the therapist could um, kind of pace the child. Also, um, like nighttime, if you're looking, like a lot of times kids will skyrocket with their adrenaline or their arousal state at bedtime. Um, it is great to get in that movement, but you kind of have to, you know, it's good to have structure at night um, for a bedtime routine. And it's good to be like, okay, let's... Um, you know, let's do this type of, um, let the child pick the type of input, but kind of always work on that down regulation at the end. So maybe it's not only swinging, but it might be blowing some bubbles in the bathtub uh, with some tubing. So. I know we love the rocking. Rocking is something usually that we like using to, um, as a, as a pre bedtime activity. <clears throat> Alex, for the the PF, for the therapist listening out there today, um, how can I mean if they want to get a sensory system set up in their in their practice or a sensory room, um, how can you help in that endeavor? Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. So, with uh, therapy clinic designs, what I typically do is um, same thing with the home gym. Is I look. I try to get as many pictures of the space ahead of time. And then also what their existing equipment is, either if it's a swing structure or sensory swings or ball pit, slide, platform. And then I try to incorporate what they already have into their new treatment space. So sometimes it's just modifying an existing space or it's they're moving to a new clinic and they would like to um, try to amp it up. So um, contacting me via WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or Instagram or LinkedIn, those are the best channels for me. And, um, you know, just messaging me info on the space is really critical. Sometimes I do. Um, I will design it uh, ahead of time. Then I modify the space um, uh, a day ahead of time. And then I teach a workshop, uh, the King of Swings workshop uh, the day after. So um, you can get the, the whole service of from beginning all the way to end completed project. And then you have a therapy clinic ready to treat in the day after the workshop. Now, for those therapists that that might um, uh, that might be already working in the clinic but want to know more about uh, the sensory education, I mean, 
There are courses out there, I know, by Jane Ayers, but I mean, those that are wanting a more practical, hands-on approach, what resources would you suggest or can you give us a heads up on that? Outside of my uh, workshops and webinars, my favorites would be um, uh, probably Vital Links. They have they show more videos and then treatment videos, and then they uh, talk about uh, the clinical observations after uh, Sheila Frick, Mary Kawar, one of my favorites. Uh, also, uh, Integrative Symposium. Um, they have some really good uh, webinars out there right now. Um, Theramoves, they have uh, webinars and upcoming workshops. They're out of New York. I also like uh, Teresa May Benson's work from the Spiral Foundation. She has lots of webinars on sensory integration therapy. Uh, the Star Foundation, the, sensor, uh, the Star Institute. Um, they also have really good sensory integration therapy, uh, continue, continuing ed webinars. Uh, tell us about your, the webinars that you offer, Alex. Sure. Um, so I, I usually teach them either um, per country because the reason I divide it up into countries is because there's different things you can, uh, different styles of treatment and also what's accessible um, equipment wise in each country. Uh, also the, the way rooms are set up are different in each country. Um, the language barrier. Um, so there's a lot of things that go into that. And then also I like when therapists can connect from uh, different uh, from different parts of the country and uh, be able to um, network together. So I'll do it per country or I'll also um, do it for say like a, just a therapy clinic that wants to host it, just private for staff. Um, I also have a few of them online that um, parents can purchase say like if they want, if they have a camping hammock and they have, you know, one to four suspension points at home, then they can uh, buy the webinar and then use all the different types of uh, sensory diet uh, interventions uh, at home. Sensory diet, I'm kind of curious about that. What is it that you kind of call a sensory diet? So a sensory diet would be, um, it was created by the Wilbargers which I got trained in by the, the therapy pressure technique that they use. The sensory diet is eight to 12 minutes of movement sensations, um, proprioceptive, vestibular, and tactile, um, three to five times a day for, um, with that high intensity. So frequency, intensity, and duration of uh, sensory motor input throughout the day to help with sensory modulation. Alex, you mentioned uh, your mentorship program. Can you tell us more about that, please? So the two-day uh, sensory gym practitioner uh, mentorship will be out of my house in Gig Harbor, Washington State. 
just an hour outside of Seattle. And I'll be going through different sensory motor activities um, and how to set them up in home, um, indoors and outdoors. And uh, you get to explore all different sensory uh, therapy activities. Um, and it's experiential learning for yourself. So you get to try them uh, hands-on. Uh, it will be um, a nine to five workshop and you get to uh, uh, network with therapists from all around the world in the uh, sensory integration realm. And it will be a blast. I've been doing it um, for the last two years and it so always a really fun uh, time for education. How do they find out more about uh, the, the mentorship program? So it's at the end of um, June and July on a Saturday and Sunday. Um, and if you go to sensorydigest.com, you'll be able to see the exact dates. And then if you just message me, um, I can get you uh, signed up and uh, have you out here in Gig Harbor. All right. Thank you for your time, Alex. This has been amazing. And um, you've given so much of value and you've given a opening for folks to contact you and find out more about um, how to utilize a, uh, a swing in the space that they have available. So guys, um, I am going to ask Alex to please run through uh, the ways that we uh, that he can be contacted. Uh, if you don't mind, Alex, as a point to finish off with, if you can let our parents or therapists know how to contact you once again. That's uh, Alex Lopiccolo, uh, L-O-P-I-C-C-O-L-O. On Facebook, you can direct message me. Um, there's also, you can direct message me on uh, Sensory Digest on Facebook, also Sensory Digest on Instagram, and then uh, also uh, Alexander Lopiccolo on LinkedIn. Uh, you can click on my social media links on sensorydigest.com, go to the bottom of the page and click on the, the social media links. Also, um, you can uh, check me out on YouTube. Some uh, I have some videos of different uh, treatment activities and also just some fun things to show your kids of what uh, sensory integration therapy can be about uh, because it can kind of be a little scary of, uh, you know, going to a therapist to, to do OT and uh, you can get them excited about them going to therapy. Lovely. Alex, thank you so much for your time. I sincerely appreciate it. And um, if you are in my neck of the woods anytime soon, that's Tennessee, please, uh, I would love to see that posting. I would definitely want to take up one of your courses. I'll be traveling a lot this year and forward. So um, I will definitely be in Tennessee within the next year. Okay, well, and I will be at that course. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Marsh. Thanks. Take care, Alex. Bye Good now. Much. Bye. Hi, guys. We have come to the end of another podcast, and we sincerely appreciate you listening along. 
As always, remember the opinions expressed today are solely our opinions and not intended as medical advice. Um, you can reach us anytime at raisingkellen at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And um, also remember that the podcast is actually now available on YouTube as well. So leave a comment. Let us know what you think about the what you hear. Um, and uh, subscribe uh, to be notified of when the next podcast drops. Today's episode was brought to you by our community sponsor, First Citizens National Bank here in Northwest Tennessee, and uh, we are really grateful for their support. As always, remember, guys, get to the top of your mountain. This is Marsh Naidu signing off. Thank you.